Support for IPR comes from Orchestra Iowa, presenting the movie E.T., the extraterrestrial on the big screen, accompanied by the symphony orchestra performing the score live, May 3rd and 4th at 7.30 at the Paramount. Tickets at orchestraiowa.com. Today is Tuesday. It is the 13th of December. This is your first from IPR News. I'm Clay Masters. Local Republican committees in at least six Iowa counties have voted to censure U.S. Senator Joni Ernst for her vote to have the federal government recognize same-sex marriages. The move means all states must recognize same-sex marriages from other states, but Ernst says it does not force states to issue marriage licenses to same-sex couples. Now, Iowa has recognized uh, same-sex marriage since 2009. The vast majority of Iowans, even a majority of Republicans, do support same-sex marriage. County party officials who've criticized Ernst say her vote violates the Iowa GOP's platform, which calls for the repeal of laws that recognize same-sex marriage. Ernst was among a dozen Republican U.S. senators who supported the bill. The county parties that voted to censure Ernst are Des Moines, Guthrie, Ida, Mahaska, Pocahontas, Van Buren, and Wright counties. A Polk County District Court judge has denied Governor Kim Reynolds' request to revive Iowa's so-called fetal heartbeat abortion law. IPR's Katerina Sestarek has the details. The ruling issued Monday means abortion is still legal in Iowa up to 20 weeks of pregnancy. Over the summer, Reynolds asked the court to reinstate the ban on most abortions after about six weeks of pregnancy. That was after U.S. Supreme Court and Iowa Supreme Court decisions opened the door to more abortion restrictions. Polk County Judge Celine Gogarty writes that she denied the governor's request partly because she doesn't have the authority to dissolve a permanent injunction issued in 2019. And she writes the, quote, ban on nearly all abortions would be an undue burden and still unconstitutional and void under the Iowa Constitution. Reynolds says in a statement she's disappointed in the ruling and will appeal it to the Iowa Supreme Court. The Lynn County Board of Supervisors voted two to one yesterday to approve the first reading of an ordinance that would stipulate how close a carbon pipeline could be built to certain locations. The Cedar Rapids Gazette reports the vote came after multiple residents voiced their concerns about the ordinance, specifically its allowance for setback waivers. Supervisors Ben Rogers and Louis Zumbot were the yes votes on the proposed ordinance, while Supervisor Stacy Walker voted no. An ordinance needs three readings approved before it becomes county code. The ordinance considerations come as Wolf Carbon Solutions is working to develop a proposed 280-mile carbon sequestration pipeline through Iowa, including Lynn County. The ordinance proposes two setback standards, one for areas of public assembly and one for dwellings. State Ombudsman Bernando Granware says his office fielded almost 6,500 complaints in the fiscal year that ended in July. That's a, about a 5% increase from the, the previous fiscal year, and uh, we're up really almost uh, 60% uh, from fiscal year 2014. Granware says the vast majority of the increases in complaints came from inmates in state prisons and county jails. He says they take a preliminary look at all complaints, and 20 to 40 percent of them actually lead to an investigation. He says one of the first things that they ask if the person has taken advantage of the grievance process that is available, or whatever process is available in trying to resolve their situation. And Iowa will receive more than $70 million from drugstore chains Walgreens and CVS over their roles in the opioid crisis. State Attorney General Tom Miller announced yesterday that he has finalized the agreement along with the other state attorneys general on the case. 
Under the agreement, CVS and Walgreens will pay more than $10 billion total nationwide. Last month, the state announced it will receive nearly $20 million from retailer Walmart over its role in the opioid crisis. This is Here First from IPR News. I'm Clay Masters. Support for IPR comes from The Healing Room at Upstream Functional Medicine, offering medical spa services that support the body's natural ability to detoxify from environmental challenges. Learn more about The Healing Room at upstreamfm.com. Respiratory virus season is here again, and this year it's hit children particularly hard. Iowa hospitals are reporting high numbers of kids with RSV, the flu, and COVID-19. Here to explain what this means is IPR health reporter Natalie Krebs. Good morning, Natalie. Hi, Clay. So we're seeing a lot of sick kids across Iowa right now. State's not really an outlier there, but what's going on here in Iowa? Yeah, so respiratory virus season has started earlier than usual, and it looks pretty severe. Hospitals in Iowa City and Des Moines are reporting high levels of kids in particular in their emergency rooms. Blank Children's Hospital in Des Moines says it's seen about double the patient volume that it normally sees at this point in the year. They say that's being driven mostly by sick children. And Blank's is definitely not alone. It says that during its regular check-ins with regional hospitals, neighboring states like Nebraska, Missouri, and Kansas, they're also reporting limited pediatric beds. So I, th- I think I might know the answer to this, but I'm not sure. What's what's causing this perfect storm then? It's actually a really complicated question, and, and we don't really know for sure. I spoke to Pedro Piedra. He's a professor of microbiology at the Baylor College of Medicine in Houston. He says the pandemic and the introduction of a new respiratory virus, COVID, has really shuffled the epidemiology of the respiratory virus season. Before COVID, after kids returned to school, he said there would be these different waves of viruses at different times. The pandemic has so far changed that. After people uh, really stopped doing significant amount of masking and social distancing, and when children came back to school, it's been really a hodgepodge of viruses circulating at the same time. Piedra says we'll have to wait to see if things will eventually go back to the old pattern or if this is a permanent change. And then Teresa Brennan brought up this theory of immunity debt. She is the chief medical officer at the University of Iowa Hospitals and Clinics. This is something I've heard other experts mention. It's the idea that because people were less exposed to viruses like RSV during the pandemic and didn't build up as much immunity, that's driving up activity now. The one place where we believe that it's probably real is in in kids that are uh, two, three, four, uh, who would have gotten RSV, but because of masking and isolation, they didn't get it. And then keep in mind, children are at the center of this just because they're much more susceptible to getting seriously ill from respiratory viruses like the flu and RSV than healthy adults are. Natalie, what are the experts saying parents should know? So all the experts recommend basically the same things. Number one, by far, is to get vaccinated against respiratory viruses like the flu and COVID. The CDC has said the flu shot this year is very effective against the current strains out there. The second thing is to stay home when you're sick, and that same goes for your children. Many people are used to going out, going to work if they have the sniffles, sending their kids to school or daycare if they're feeling a little sick. Doctors like Wendy Woods, she's a medical officer at Blank Children's Hospital in Des Moines, says she's really pushing people to be really cautious because she's tired of situations like this. It's hard to have conversations with families when, um, you know, their three-week-old is going from the general pediatrician floor to the ICU to be innovated and put on a ventilator 
and they're asking, like, do you think they could have caught grandma's cold at Thanksgiving? <laughs> it's like, yeah. Finally, experts say people who are feeling sick should contact their healthcare providers as soon as possible to get tested, possibly get some antivirals. They say this medication works best if it's taken early in the course of an infection. Another thing here is we're still hearing about staffing shortages in healthcare facilities. How is that kind of just adding to this situation that we're seeing? Right. That's the other piece to this. Not only are infection rates up, hospitals and healthcare facilities are also facing staffing shortages and burnouts from the pandemic. To the point where this week, Mercy One announced that two of its urgent care locations would go to virtual only care for a day due to staffing issues. Wendy Woods, the doctor at Blank Children's Hospital, says staff there are working extra hours and that extra stress takes a toll on their immune systems. We are seeing like an increase in the number of sick calls that we have just with these same respiratory viruses that we have. They just affect us in a way that they didn't used to because we don't have the, the backup anymore. Woods says aside from really taking care of yourself and your kids this holiday season, Iowans should remember to thank their health care workers. All right. IPR health reporter Natalie Krebs, thank you. Thanks, Clay. This is Here First from IPR News. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you find them so you can listen every morning. I'm Clay Masters. Thanks for listening.